0: It's your girlie. what's, up? what's up?
1: Welcome, we are presenting another episode of CPS. Cruel public schooling. It is the middle ground between unrest and discipline. Between injustice and corruption and it lies between the pit of a student's fears and the summit of their knowledge uh, you. this is the dimension of education it is an area which we call the cruel public schooling <laughs> a dimension that intends to scrutinize the CPS system through its core from a student's eyes
2: Hey guys, welcome back and remember you are listening to Cruel Public Schooling, a segment where we talk about any corruption or just anything that happens revolving CPS and I am your host Melissa and you guys are listening to season 2 episode five of Crow public schooling and in this episode we'll be kind of centering around social work and just what it means to be a social worker in cps and the aim is more to how it's been affecting remote learning i think just it's important to you know highlight experiences during remote learning and just different aspects of what you know what makes a school And because of that, we actually have an interview with a social worker named Mary who teaches or helps um, around the west side of Humboldt Park. And, you know, she's just going to tell us her experience with remote learning and just what kind of it means to be a social worker in CPS. But before that, let's just recap what's been happening with CTU and CPS. But before that, I kind of want to talk about something else. I mean, if you guys haven't noticed, or if you have noticed, I've been kind of dragging on um, posting these episodes or just kind of editing them. I mean, but, you know, stuff happens. I'm a high school student. I'm almost about to graduate. I'm kind of, like, not saying I'm, like, focusing on other things because that's very selfish. It's just a lot has been happening. And, like, I think every student during this remote learning process or, I don't know, it's just been kind of stressful. But, you know, we're all good. Finally uploading. So, yeah. Also, this is like a reminder, listen to your brain or listen to prioritize, you know, having like a no, you know, like a self-care day or just a day where you're not really stressing on anything. Um, and this goes for everyone, not necessarily, you know, students. It's important to take care of your mental health and everything, but hope everyone's doing okay. Hope whoever you're listening, hope you're doing good, man. But anyway, let's just talk more about what has been happening with CPS and CTU and, you know, all that. So, so during the month of January, around the end of January, you know, CTU, and CPS were kind of considering either opening, reopening schools and just setting out, you know, complete guidelines about what's been happening and just making sure that it's like the safest way for you to enter school as like either a student or a teacher or other type of worker who, you know, you work in a school. And basically, um, CTU eventually, you know, approved the tentative deal to reopen CPS classrooms. And it's just making sure and it guarantees, you know, the best possible health and like safety protocols that is promised by cps and just making sure that this is the appropriate time to enter students for school and also teachers here's the thing with cps like you guys need to consider other opinions and just make sure that you know there's we need to consider that there's different perspectives and i don't know man you know miss laurie or whatever she's been kind of doing some dumb stuff but anyway if this was kind of a very stressful period i think for everyone just because everyone was fearing of you know entering a strike and what that would kind of mean the effects of either students and just how undemocratic our our education is in CPS but you know eventually everything did kind of into place and actually so they've proposed like a new policy that either but they're deciding it so as of right now this is february 22nd it's a monday cps has monthly meetings and this wednesday february 24th they're going to decide either to have this policy that would that would mandate like vaccinations as a condition of employment so basically that you know every teacher had to be every worker step has to be vaccinated there's really no more information on that you know everyone's kind of still deciding what it will mean and you know how rushed everything will be because of that so there's also like a lot of teachers have been coming back to their classrooms not necessarily having students in their classrooms as of like monday today a lot of teachers have returned back to their classrooms and it's been kind of you know 11 months since they've basically kind of either entered their their space of teaching and again you know the ctu and just cps are still in kind of they're still kind of in agreeing on when to actually reopen schools and just how long it will take and this is very serious because one it's putting people's lives at risk and just making sure that it's really the appropriate time but you know all that pretty much like make sure that everything's fine and the union is also like you know focusing on either negotiating for either for members to receive vaccination before like you know returning to school and just exactly like the certain type of protocol that will be held you know during school but um you know a lot of kids have actually returned back to school and that either includes pre-k or kindergarten or just students who require special needs either by special education and all that and also just students who just really don't have like an area to study they don't have internet in their house or a caretaker or anything you know they're in school basically but technically as of right Now, kindergartners through like fifth grade, they're intended to enter schools on March 1st and staff and also sixth grade through eighth grade will come back on March 8th. And, you know, they haven't really decided on what's kind of the aim for either high school students or if it's the appropriate time. I mean, as a CPS student, like as a student, um, I don't know. I I mean COVID is technically declining but to me that seems very unlikely and just having that hybrid plan um I feel like there's a lot of risk and just knowing how a lot of these schools are really outdated I'm not sure if this is our the appropriate conditions and just to make sure that everyone isn't really risking their lives especially those who have either elderly family members in their house or just people who like have a, have a very high risk of either contacting COVID and just having very detrimental effects of, because of that. This is basically what I've been repeating myself for I think since we started school. Again this is like now the third quarter and once we enter March this is basically going to be a year that we have been either on lockdown and... And I don't know, to me, these results or what we're seeing change? I mean, it's obviously been kind of improving, but I don't think it's necessarily like a big change that, you know, we have to adopt to it. But yeah, I mean, come on, we're like almost on our third quarter. So for high school students, that would either be your second semester. That's actually really concerning, just how much of a challenge, you know, remote learning has been for a lot of students. And I mean, it's for me, it's kind of impressive that like a lot of kids who have been able to handle this and you know even if you don't necessarily handle it like this is a very not impressive but this is like a reality where we have to kind of deal with everything and it's just kind of alarming and shocking about (laughs) just who would have like expected this but anyway that's kind of it for cps and ctu obviously i'll be sharing inform you guys if there was any changes or anything that will be happening you know but either way, um, obviously, let's get more into the topic of the whole premise of this show. Again, we have um, this interview with a social worker called Mary, and she obviously, you know, helps children. Elementary school on the west side of Humboldt Park. I really like this conversation, especially, you know, just what classifies who, what certain type of, type of students either require the services of the social worker or what's more, like, important. And, you know, as she mentioned in the interview she said that they prioritize kids who require you know special education because because of the lack of social workers they have and they're kind of either leveling out the type of like necessities each student have so i definitely think that's very interesting and just how cps kind of lacks you know the funding that um, requires, you know, a good education, especially being CPS. And also how she mentioned during the interview how CPS is um, considered, you know, a school that kind of requires more of a social work premise because of, you know, the location and everything. So I think it's definitely interesting and how basically it has shifted during remote learning and how kids are either kind of adapting to that new setting. So without further ado, let's begin with the interview.
0: Uh, I'm Mary Defino, and I am a school social worker at Piccolo Elementary School this year. What are you doing? For how long have you been working in this field? This is my fourth year as a school social worker, my third year with CPS. And as a social worker in CPS, the job is sort of like equal parts like special education, evaluating students who might have special needs, um, helping write a service plan for them or an IEP. And then the other half is sort of delivering those services either to students who have an IEP or a special education plan or meeting with students who are considered um, tier three, so who may not have a special education plan but benefit from social work services for other reasons, whether it's um, going through a hard time, or um, or just needing some some changes to to learn effectively in their classroom.
2: Awesome. And this question is more like pre COVID times. Like, what were the common issues that would happen, like, with your students and? Just,
0: can you tell us more specifics of that? A big part of my caseload, um, I guess I should, should say for context too, that the way CPS is staffed with social workers is unfortunately a lot of the time, we end up only being able to give services to the students with special education needs. So while I, ideally we'd be working not just with students with special needs, but also with students who, um, again, just having a rough time could use someone to talk to, we are sort of in a position where the the students with the IEPs get prioritized. So often in the elementary school student uh, setting, a lot of my work is with students who have autism or a learning disability, and if if the behaviors stemming from those special needs make it difficult for them to learn, such as for my students with autism, we do a lot of work on social skills. I work with a lot of students who have high anxiety and how to cope with changes in their routine or encountering new experiences. And then in in the uh, older middle school setting, a lot of times it's preparing students to transition to high school, to think about what they'd like to do after school. And then in general, in the past, I've worked with, with the counselor a lot in the school, to run groups for students who have maybe more unique challenges. So for instance, I'll run a group on grief for students who have lost a loved one, or for students who may have a parent who's incarcerated, we'll run a group together and create a space where students can connect around those experiences.
2: For the next question, more in specifics and like CPS is like, do students in CPS receive enough aid or attention when like addressing mental
0: health or any issue that could be affecting their learning? No. <laughs> the uh, there's a I'm glad you asked but there's a um, the National Association of Social Work has a recommended ratio where they think that for every 250 students in a school, there should be one social worker. If that school is in an area that's considered to be high trauma, which the majority of CPS schools are considered to be in areas that are high trauma, the National Association of Social Work recommends one social worker for every 50 students. Currently, the CPS ratio, I will say it's gotten a lot better this year following the strike. But currently, it's approximately, I would guess, one social worker for every 600 students. So unfortunately, we're not even close to where we should be. And and that's the same, very similar for other fields like counselors and psychologists, unfortunately, very understaffed. And since CPS is legally required to service the um, students with IEPs, Again, unfortunately, a lot of students don't get the services they need if if they don't have that IEP.
2: This is now going more like more related to during remote learning, like how does counseling as a social worker work during remote learning? And like, can you tell us more on the process of that?
0: Yeah, I will say I'm definitely still figuring it out myself. But I think right now we've gotten to a really good place. And I'd be curious to hear about your experience. But I think that especially in my elementary school, students now have a really good sense of the schedule and the technology and are in a place I've I'm really grateful for my principal who has made our school schedule very flexible um, so that students don't have too much screen time. They're able to take breaks and to come to school when, when they're able without suffering uh, grade wise. And in terms of social work, at the beginning of the year, I made a point to sort of like call every single parent that I work with and let them know that we were gonna be flexible with each other and that social work could look however they and their student wanted it to. And for a lot of students, um, especially my younger students, they have really liked, we usually do social work in small groups for most of my students. And since we've been together for three years now, that's a very like safe space for them to know they can log on and see those same two students and they have a lot of history together. So I've tried to make it loosely structured so that students can come into that space and get whatever they need and sometimes that some means they want to talk about covid or about the presidential election or about things that are going on at home and sometimes it means they just need a distraction and they just need to be a kid and we will play a game we will watch disney plus try to make try to set that up so that students can can recognize you know, what's going on inside of them, what they need, because those are skills we all need as adults, right? Recognizing our own feelings, and then how to take care of ourselves. So lots of focus on checking in, how are you feeling? What do you need? And then going from there.
2: And this is like more in specific on like the problems a lot of these students have, like in relation to the pandemic and all that, have you, what are like the arising issues
0: you've witnessed and like, how do you tackle that? Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question that I'm still sort of trying to figure out the answer to because my school is in West Humboldt Park and the families there have been hit really, really hard. A lot of my students' parents work in service industries that have had little to no hours available for the last seven months and that means that a lot of my parents don't know where their next rent check is going to come from and and a lot of my students have actually I feel like at least one student a week is moving they're moving in with a grandma they're moving to the south side to live with family and a lot of families need resources that just don't exist right now and to be quite honest with you, I, I haven't figured out how to solve a lot of that. Our school has mobilized to try and start a solidarity fund where teachers and community will like raise money to try and help each other out. It unfortunately hasn't come to be near close enough, but close to what we need. But personal capacity outside of the school, it's really push a lot of us, I think, to double down on work through the union or through our community organizations to try and tackle some of those systemic issues that we're just not equipped to to solve inside the school.
2: Just going more into like the importance of mental health, unity. In your opinion, what is the importance of that?
0: I think it's really important for for teachers and educators in the building to sort of like model for our youth, because the reality is that nobody is okay right now. Like adults, even the best of circumstances are not at their best and are not okay. And I think that it's really important for teachers to sort of normalize that. And by like setting a tone in their classroom, setting reasonable expectations that, you know, everyone isn't going to have math at the top of their mind each day with all that's going on in the world. And I think making space in the school for connection, since that is like the one piece of normal for many students still is seeing familiar faces and their students, excuse me, and their teachers and their classmates is like being prepared to just stop class sometimes and like enjoy each other. Or even one thing that's been really interesting to see is that sometimes in the school, like, you know, students can especially the younger elementary school be kind of like adversarial with each other pick on each other have their little groups but seeing the way that this has brought everyone closer together and seeing the way that students um, are much more comfortable being vulnerable and taking care of each other because we're all literally in each other's homes now we, we all kind of know we're going through it I think it's really important for schools to function primarily as that safe space right now leaving that room for conversation and knowing when maybe academics need to be put to to the side for a little bit
2: yeah totally and like this is going more to like the last question because like you kind of did answer all of mine like what are ways cps can improve the platform for like social workers and students and you know what are ways it can cater better to them
0: I love these questions, Go- uh, and I'd be curious to hear your experience too. Google Meets has gotten a lot better with the breakout rooms. My students don't have the ability right now to like do the background, and I think so many of them like don't feel like they can fully participate and turn their camera on because it's too vulnerable. I, if, when I was growing up, I was in a house of six, I definitely wouldn't have wanted to turn my camera on and have my classmates and my teachers see my business. I think that those like really small technical things could make a huge difference for students and their ability to access the platform. It's gotten better with the, the different buttons. There really needs to be a way to direct message your teacher. Right now in the chat, the only way you can message your teacher, everyone sees it. So there's no way for students to like directly message their teacher in private and say, Hey, I need help. Hey, I don't get this. Hey, can I talk to you after class? I think that those are like really small specific things that would help a lot and just in general i think there's we need to move away from like standardized measures of success like we should not be doing standardized tests right now at any grade level it is totally i think an unfair expectation on our students and i think we need to give teachers a lot more freedom in how much time grading and then how much time we we expect kids to be logged on because for so many health reasons staring at a screen this long all day is, is so bad for your mental and physical health
2: and welcome back remember you are listening to cruel public schooling and i am your host melissa so i really hope you enjoyed this interview i definitely did and you know just what she mentioned is definitely something that even if it wasn't during remote learning or anything you know this is very true and just how much cps lacks in you know staff and just requiring these certain services and obviously you could just be saying you know we don't have enough funding for this but just consider how how little funding is given to cps and how like example for example like CPD is overly funded and clearly you know that many can be reallocated to you know proper service proper like counselors or social workers and this is just like a reminder of like you know what happened almost a year and a half ago around like october October 2019 where you know teachers continued to strike and it was because of the lack of resources a lot of teachers were receiving just also lack of staff you know social workers counselors and all that you start to realize how greatly needed um, a lot of these services are and how how much of a difference it makes to you know a development of a child or like a student who deeply you know requires that and especially during the pandemic a lot of kids go through a very either very traumatic situations where where they need to discuss with another person or they require of these you know services I guess and this is kind of alarming about what's happening and clearly clearly there should be something that has to be done or you know addressed just because just because you know mental health in general or having you know Help or extra guidance is something that you know someone really needs, and especially a student, um, when addressing their education. And you know, it's just important to point out, you know, just what makes a school a school, and you know, the basics of either having a teacher and a student, but but um, just what other factors contribute to, you know, in general, like in an, edu- an educational setting, which is either you know, having counselors or social workers or any type of you know, guidance that isn't necessarily like academically focused and definitely like just having social workers or just educators who, you know, specialize in special education is, you know, important and it creates equity within a sphere where you're there to learn, you know. So just not having these wor- resources can dramatically affect, you know, a student, and points out, you know, either inequalities that is either happening specifically in our city or just other parts of a nation. And it's a moment where, you know, you kind of open your eyes and, you know, kind of realize the differences of either education or just an environment that either people are introduced to. Anyway, you guys just heard me rant a little, but I'll be playing a song, and this song is called The Time Has Come by The Last Shadow Puppets, and we'll be right back.
3: The time has come Slowly walking down the steps To where she would have been If only they were seventeen Waiting patiently
2: We're back. I really hope you enjoyed this song. This song is actually by one of my favorite bands. And next up, we have "Dumb" by Nirvana. And I, I feel like I should share this song because I have had it stuck in my head, and I feel like you guys should have it stuck too.
3: I'm not The
2: And that was done by Nirvana and we are actually reaching our end of this episode. Uh, just a reminder, this is the last episode of season two, so we are in episode five. And it was just really fun, you know, really diving deep into what remote learning is and just kind of researching what it is for, you know, each type of person. So, so yeah, it was a pleasure to have you all for this season and... Remember, you are listening to Cruel Public Schooling, and I am your host, Melissa, and this is the end of the show.
1: This was another episode of CPS Cruel Public Schooling. <laughs>